I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Is it possible for that to happen? You may be seated. Is it possible for faith to get in the way of the will of God? Raise your hand if you have an answer for that. Is it possible for faith to get in the way of the will of God? There's some good scholars out there. You should be able to answer this. Charles, I'm going to give you a chance here in just a minute. I'll let you think for another 10 seconds. Is it possible? I'm going to raise your hands here. Somebody that really understands it. Kim Evans is not here tonight, so we don't have no scholar. Go ahead. I believe that, such as we know that healing is the will of God, so faith in healing of any sort can't be out of the will of God. But on the other side of that, there is, and, and, I, and I'm not teaching on this, it just is in my, my heart here, but on the other side of that, we know that there are sicknesses unto death. We also know that, that sometimes, there, I mean, we can go into Scripture, we can find that, we can also find where God uses uh, sickness sometimes to get our attention. Uh, we can also uh, just being and and just understand why I'm saying this. We can be stupid and get sick by doing things that hurt us. And the Bible tells us that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We can eat badly. We can fail to exercise. I mean, we can keep going, and we do we do know that those things do affect us. And when they do affect us, do we have the right to ask God to heal us if we're doing everything wrong in the temple of God? That's, this, is where I'm, I, this is where I'm going with the faith issue. I've done everything wrong. I eat badly, don't exercise. I get sick. Do I have a right to ask God to heal me? Anybody? Do I have a right to ask God to heal me? I'm doing this to pro- just to make to make you think. I understand that. And that may not be an answer, but go ahead. So we have a right to ask God. Is that that's right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, even if we've done everything wrong, to ask. Okay, okay. Go ahead, John. Okay. There's the key word. There's the key word. There's repentance. Now, when we go back to to truly what is repentance, repentance we know is a turning away from. So we turn around, and Israel did the same thing, did the same thing over again after they repented, and God, you know, the the thing is the mercy of God endureth forever. And we can can continue to do the same thing, but there does come a time, and there came that time with Israel. 
where they went into captivity because they continued to do the same thing. God delivered them, God delivered them, and finally God got tired of it, and they went into captivity. Can that happen? Go ahead. I agree. Because, you know, we can have faith in faith. And then that simply is that we have faith in the fact that we can believe and not necessarily have faith in God. The Bible says have faith in God. Actually, in one place, has the faith of God, which is creative faith. By having faith, we should create, you know, the faith of God, be able to create some things uh, to happen for us as a result of that. But we can have a false faith as well. You know, that is the faith in faith. You don't really have faith in God. You just have faith because, you know, and you, you, you do everything the wrong way. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't live the right way, and you, and you know what you should be doing, and you fail to do it. So as a result of that, when we, when we begin to have things that go wrong in our life, and we begin to question God, and, you know, God, why not? Because so-and-so is doing it. Well, so-and-so is, is trying to do the right thing, and, then, and possibly God is honoring that because they're doing the right thing. And here you're doing everything wrong, but you feel like you should have the same benefits. And that, that works the same whether it's spiritual or in a carnal sense. It works either way. It's, it, it is the same. That's good. That's good. Anybody else have anything input on that? Because I think sometimes we got to get a wrong idea when it comes to, to the will of God. And I know you've been bringing out a lot on the will of God, and that's the right way to pray. You know, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is the correct way to pray. But we do know some things are the will of God. Healing is the will of God outside the fact. And I, I do believe that there's a time that God lets us know when we don't pray for healing. You know, and, and I think an individual know that. I believe there's a time for that. I made the statement, Sister Deem, I, 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 I'm sure every person that's over the age of 60 can say the same thing. I, I don't necessarily want to be one of those people that wait on my Social Security check so I can go buy my prescriptions and take pills the rest of the time, and that's all I do. You, you know, I don't want to be that way. I prefer going on to be with the Lord in a life like that. And I think sometimes that we, we, you know, you see people that have served God all their life and they have that fear of death, which we should never fear. Not if we're a child of God. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And, you know, that's how we should feel. Well, anyway, that's, that's just thought I'd ask that question. Proverbs twenty six twenty three, Staying with the same old line in Proverbs 26 where it talks about how people talk and Oh, thank you, Mana, for doing it. You already knew how to do it here. Burning lips, uttering insincere words of love, and a wicked heart are like an earthen vessel covered with the scum thrown off from molten silver, making it appear to be solid silver. That's a great proverb, isn't it? Look at that again. Burning lips, 
uttering insincere words of love. And the wicked heart are like an earthen vessel. A potsherd is what that says in the King James. Covered with scum, which is just the dross off of silver, thrown off from molten silver, making it appear solid silver. All right, Lord bless you. Thanks for standing. You'll be seated. And we can ask the question, are, are any of us guilty of one or both of these? And they are, they are terrible sins. Burning lips that say, you know, we can look at this, and, and insincere words of love is one way of putting it, and it, and it amplified is good, but it can also, uh, burning lips can also be uh, saying negative things about other people or uh, a wicked heart that, that thinks such things. Even a wicked heart, that can be put in the same way as burning lips. And if you're guilty of these things, you're you're like a broken piece of pottery or a potsherd that is covered with, with scum, dross from silver, refining. And that is simply when uh, silver is refined like gold, the more that you heat silver, the more you heat gold. The scum, if you call the impurities, come to the top. And, and this is what this is speaking of. So you're, you're talking about a very ugly, very, uh, very uh, worthless person in, this, in these terms. And if you cannot say kind things about others, then it's, we come back to that, then we need to say nothing at all. And one of the hardest things to do within the human spirit is to keep our mouth shut about situations that we don't like. Very, very difficult. So it's a simile here, a very simple simile. It's a what is called a stated comparison by the word like of a man to a clay vessel, an evil man with a malicious heart, cruel speech is like a broken fragment of pottery painted over with the scum or the dross. A good man with a noble heart and kind words is like a beautiful work of pottery covered with fine silver. And that can be a very beautiful, very delightful, if you would, and a very valuable object. It's not unusual for clay vessels to be covered with silver. That happened quite a bit. But in this case, we're talking about the unrefined, the nasty stuff that comes off silver, trying to cover something that is broken. And this is what he's making the comparison to. Somebody who can't keep their mouth shut, can't say anything good, can't say anything but negative things, is like that broken piece of pottery covered with scum. That's what he's saying. Boy, doesn't he say some great things, though. Uh, don't you wish as a preacher that you could just say those things? You know? All I can do is just tell you what someone else is saying. I can't just really say it outright, you know, and, and have it be in my own idea. This is really God's idea. You understand that? This is not Robertson. It's not even Solomon's. This is God's idea. So what are burning lips? That's probably the first time you kissed your wife. Burning lips, right? That's what she said about you. Called you old hot lips. Right? Well, that's not what this is talking about. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this man has a fire in his mouth, but it's a different kind. Okay? And he regularly burns others with critical and hateful speech. That's the kind of burning lips we're talking about. He cannot say, stay silent very long. He, he's got to say something derogatory about others. So his lips are set on fire from hell. That's exactly what it's saying. His lips are... James, I think it's James 3, 5 through 9. Do I have that? Uh, I forgot to get my little paper out here. I better get that little paper. 
Okay. James, um, yeah, 3, 5 through 9. We'll read it. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark can set ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. So we're talking about uh, fiery lips here. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body. Setting on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell or Jehina. Uh, Jehina is actual hell. There's different terminologies for hell. There's Hades, Jehina, uh, and there's one other. I've forgotten it. Um, there's three of them. But there, they, they, in some cases, uh, you know, you can. it just speaks about the grave. But in this case, it's talking about the burning place, the hell that we know. So it's, it's talking about how that, that an individual that cannot control what he says can actually create a situation that is like hell. And let's look at that just for a moment. No, it's not hell as we know hell. But there can be, by people who do not take control of their mouth, they can set a person in such a, a place as they feel like they're in hell. You can destroy a person's reputation. You can destroy people by silly acts and silly comments. And we have to be so cautious when it comes to that. And again, this whole 26th chapter, I know I've repeated myself in some of these areas, but obviously it's very important in God's eyes for us to be able to control what we say. Because whatever we say is going to influence what we do as well. So it's very, very valuable here for us to understand this. So what is a wicked heart? We know what burning lips are. What's a wicked heart? And this phrase describes a person whose heart is filled with arrogant contempt and malicious hatred of others. And as the context shows, he does not know God. He has no affection for others except to use them for his own selfish needs. He's a murderer at heart, though he may not have a, a committed the crime yet. So a person with a wicked heart is an accident looking for a place to happen. It's a person who's going to go out and, and eventually do something that is wrong. That's why that we know that when it comes to children, that if we don't, and in fact, we're going to talk about that if we get through some of this, that if we don't take control of children at a young age, that they can get murder in their heart and they can actually commit acts later in life because we don't put out that fire of wickedness in their hearts. Now, keep, hang on to what I'm saying, and I hope I can get through all of this tonight because you, this, this is something that everyone needs to hear. Do you have either burning lips or a, a wicked heart, or do you have both? And it's easy to find out. How easily do you argue, backbite, flatter, lie, slander, tattle, or whisper? If you sin in these ways easily, you surely have burning lips. And if you do not grieve after such sin of your lips, then you also have a wicked heart. It's not, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. For a person to sin with their mouth or lips. What's bad is when they don't grieve afterwards. That's how you know that you've got a problem. We can all get caught up in the moment. We can all get caught up. We can get angry and we can say things that we, we wish we hadn't have said. But if we don't grieve afterwards, if we're not sorry for what we've done, then we've got a problem. We've got murder in our hearts. And that's, uh, that, that's what this is saying. 
So while your lips and heart are not perfectly connected, they are very closely connected. A man may sin again once in a while with his lips and have a pure heart, but he will be grieved by it. And if a man sins often by attacking others with his words, he shows a violent and a wicked heart. And Jesus taught that the mouth clearly reveals the heart. We know that the mouth clearly reveals what is in the heart. There's many beautiful works of art. And household vessels were once made from pottery. A, a well-formed clay object covered with fine silver could be, uh, it could be exquisite in appearance and, and use. But a pot shirt or a piece of a pot, rather, a broken piece of pottery, and silver dross is the refuse or the scum from the refining. So wise men examine their hearts and they guard their lips because I don't want that to be Robertson. I don't want to be uh, a broken pot with a covered with scum because that's what that's saying. And, and to make that kind of analogy, that simile, if you would, to make that kind of analogy, to know that a person can be that way and to know that it's possible for, for me or for you to be that way, I, I want to fight it with everything that's within me. I, I don't want that to be. I want to guard my lips. I want to be gracious in my speech. And I'd like to be able to say good things and be able to find good, good situations out of whatever it may be that I'm doing, to find something good. And that's how we do this. It's how we overcome. All right, Proverbs 26, verse 24. Proverbs 26, verse 24. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. Again, going right along with it. And layeth up deceit within him. Let's take this one step further. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, it's going to say it in the Amplified behind me, and layeth up deceit with him. So he that pretends with his lips, but stores up deceit within himself. So he pretends with his lips. Not every friend that you have loves you. You thought they did, didn't you? You go out and make all these friends thinking you're going to be able to get someone to love you. If you make a friend, be sure that you buy them off really well. Pay a lot of money. Send them gifts off. And that way they really will love you for a little while till the money stops. Some who say they love you are really hiding hatred in wicked hearts. They, they dissemble or what they do is pretend to be your friends. And they lie to cover their evil thoughts and ambitions. But a wise man learns this, this terrible deceitfulness and wickedness of human nature. And they protect themselves from believing fair words too deeply. Beware of the person who flatters. I love it when people send me texts and say, man, you preach so good. I believe it for about that far. I said, I wonder what they want. Saying, you really, you really become a cynic. No, I'm just being biblical. I like being, you know, sure, everybody likes a little flattery, but I don't, I don't believe it too far. Because I know that the next time I preach, I might get on their toes and they're not going to say anything nice to me. Now, that person that can come up here and I can preach on the clothesline, I can just, I mean, I can nail everything. I can preach against red shoes, pink shoes, green shoes, you know, open-toed shoes combat boots, whatever else that they wear. I can preach on that and tell them that their skirts need to be all the way to their ankles and then further even beyond that. And, and you know, and keep going. And they hit everything that you do. 
Don't watch movies. Don't watch television. Don't listen to the radio. Don't get on the Internet. Don't do all this. And if you still say that I'm a good preacher after all that, then I know you love me. You know, if someone flattered me after I did all that, I know good and well they were lying. <laughs> you know, I'm saying that you don't, don't just be careful when it comes to something. Just don't believe everything that you hear. Um, they just like to protect themselves from, you know, from going too far and believing fair words. Protect yourself rather from believing fair words too deeply. The larger context here is a, actually a 12 verse description, and we've we've talked about this from Proverbs 26:16 all the way through 28. This has been the whole larger context of of this same style, the same uh, style of teaching and preaching. When it talks about people, the lips, the mouth, the, what people say, flattery. Uh, hatred, all of these things, it all comes together. Solomon uh, condemns in these areas. He condemns meddling. He condemns deceitful jesting, tail-bearing, evil speaking, ensnaring, lying, and flattering. All through those, those verses, those 12 verses, he, he jumps on these areas. And because their deeds are so cruel, these wicked men generally hide their intentions under gestures of friendship and kind words. Now, the smaller context describes lying hypocrites who pretend to be friends, but they have seven abominations in their hearts. The lesson is to not believe all you hear, especially flattery or words of affection. Jeremiah, I believe, 9 and, uh, nine and 8. Yes, Jeremiah 9 and 8. I have that one. Their tongue is a murderous arrow. It speaks deceitfully. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lays snares and waits in ambush for him. That says it very, very, very well. For those who trust God and follow his, his inspired wisdom, he will expose liars and their hatred. Anybody that has these kind of feelings towards you, you keep your heart right with God, God will expose it. He'll expose the people that have those feelings towards you and uh, let you know that you have to be careful around that kind of person. And only very foolish people think men and women have good and honest hearts by nature. Now, listen to me. I, I'm not being mean here. Because God has plainly declared that human hearts are desperately wicked in Jeremiah 17 and 9. Their throats, it says, tongues, lips, and mouths are all cruel and deadly. Romans 3, 13 and 14. Romans 3. 13 and 14. The throat is a yawning grave. They use their tongues to deceive, to mislead, and to deal treacherously. The venom of asp is beneath their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Now, an asp is a very, very deadly snake that was in the, in the Middle East, so you can understand that. So this is what he's making a comparison to. This is typical of ungodly men. The words of, of, this, of his mouth. Were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Psalm fifty-five twenty-one. So it lets you know that not everyone that says that they can be your friend are really going to be your friend. Look at some of the Bible examples here. We can see Cain talked kindly to Abel before killing him. Genesis four eight. Simeon and Levi arranged a marriage, but only to slaughter a city. Genesis 34, 6 through 31. Joseph's brothers comforted their father about Joseph after selling him as a slave. Genesis 37, 31. King Saul flattered David and offered his daughters, but sought to destroy him. 1 Samuel 18 and 17. Joab feigned 
kindness to Abner, but only to murder him. In 2 Samuel 3.27. Absalom. Here's a great one. Absalom appeared content with Amnon, but only to kill him. 2 Samuel 13.22. And Absalom flattered Israel, but only for sedition. 2 Samuel 15 and 1. Joab asked Amasa of his health, but only to kill him. In 2 Samuel 29. Herod spoke of worshiping Jesus, but had murder in his heart. Matthew 2 and 1. Judas kissed the Lord, but only to betray him. In Matthew 26, 47. Wise men learn to be deaf to flattery and praise and attentive and appreciative to rebuke. That's what the Bible teaches us. You want to learn something, get rebuked. You want to get worse, get flattery. They know open rebuke is better than secret love in Proverbs 27 and 5. They prefer the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy in Proverbs 27 and 6. They know there is little profit in receiving praise and it can lead to much harm, Proverbs 26, 28. Measure all men by the fear of the Lord. Where there is little or no fear of God visible, you should not fully trust that person. It's just that simple. The rule is easy to grasp and apply. Nehemiah wisely rejected Sanballat's invitation to a meeting in Nehemiah 6 and 1, but foolish Gedaliah and other saints believed the lies and tears of Ishmael to their ruin in Jeremiah 40 and 7. Solomon wrote this proverb to warn about the hidden dangers of flattery and hypocrisy in relationships. But God, the God of heaven will expose deceitful, vicious thoughts and intentions, according to Proverbs 26, 25. And he alone knows the heart, and he knows all the heart, in Jeremiah 17, 10. And Hebrews 4, 13. Bring that one up, if you would. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open exposed and naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All things. God, nothing is hidden from the Lord. He knows all things. We cannot hide from him. And regardless of how a person may, uh, you know, the, the term justice comes up a lot. There will be justice. There always will be justice at the end of time. But a lot of times in this life, you will find justice. God will expose things. Give it time. You know, oftentimes as human beings, we decide for things, or we would prefer things, rather, to happen immediately. But if we give God a chance, an opportunity to operate in the way that He wants to operate, then we will see justice happen. It always does. Don't, don't, don't go looking for it. Let God do it on His own, because He really will. So he, not only will he expose duplicity and dissimulation, he will also cast these wicked persons into, in the trouble that they planned for others. Now, we know that happens. Absalom was killed cruelly by darts while hanging in a tree in 2 Samuel 18 and 9. Haman's gallows was used to stretch his neck and those of, ten, of his ten sons in Esther 7.10. Daniel's adversaries were eaten by lions which had slept peaceably with Daniel. So, yes, it does come back around. The most subtle deceit and cover for hatred is what is used, and this is Scripture, by harlots who use flattery to disarm and seduce their victims. Now, follow me for a moment. Proverbs 2.16, 5 and 3, 6.24, 7.5 through 21, 22.14. It all tells you that. The church of Rome which when we say the Church of Rome, immediately everybody goes to the Catholic Church, which we know that it is. 
But let's not stop there. Anyone who baptizes in the titles Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is a part of the Church of Rome. Not just that simple. We don't hear that very much anymore, but that's the truth. If they do not baptize in Jesus' name, they are not a part of the body of Christ. They are the Church of Rome. Now, the Church of Rome is called a great whore, harlot. For she uses religious lies and pretensions to ensnare her victims. Revelation 17, 1 through 6 and 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 tells you that. So we don't believe the carefully worded lies that any church has to give outside the church that preaches the truth. And there's a lot of them, you know, we listen to, people listen to them on the radio, I watch them on television. If these churches are baptizing and the titles are not baptizing at all, they are lying to you. So keep that in mind when you listen to them. Keep that in mind. There's a lot of confusion sometimes that gets offered, and the devil is so subtle when it comes to those kind of things. He can get you all twisted up, if you would, in your, in your faith, in your belief system, because somebody might have a good message or something that fits you. You just be sure that they're in the Word. That's what's important. Proverbs twenty six twenty five. And not a creature, ooh, we'll get there, Rick. When he speaks kindly, do not trust him for seven abominations. I brought that out a little earlier. Seven abominations are in his heart. Seven abominations are in his heart. King James says, when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Hateful people cannot be trusted. Anybody know any hateful people besides Lori? Oh, there she is. I know any hateful people. You know, people are just hateful. Can't say anything good. Just mean. Some of you are related to a few. That's what he's talking about. They can't be trusted. Kind words from their mouths are meant to deceive. And only foolish people will believe those things. They will slice you badly when it's helpful to their cause. Their hearts are full of abominable thoughts, even while they piously use gentle words and pretend to be friendly and virtuous. We have a context for this proverb, and an immediate one and a larger one. The immediate context describes a hateful person. These wicked murderers use words to pretend to be something they're not. They plan, plot, how to conceal their wicked malice, even while they're lying to you about their intentions. They will not get away with it for long, for they will be exposed before good men, according to Proverbs 26, 26. The larger context is a collection of Proverbs, again, dealing with hateful talebearers and other uh, deceivers. Proverbs, again, 26, 17 through 28. In 12 verses, the preacher lists the various ways in which uh, hatred, lying, tail-bearing, contentions lead to strife and trouble and judgment. The world would be a better place if such persons were uh, not in it, according to Proverbs 26, 23. But God will judge them in ways similar to what they plan for others. Again, we go back to what they plan for others and how it works. Good words and fair speeches may deceive the simple and the sentimental. But all good men reject, reject words. They, they measure always and only by actions. 
don't, you know, the Bible talks about uh, speaking truth. Uh, you know, truth, in, it, it, truth has to be more than in the tongue. Truth has to be, the Bible says, in word and in deed. You know, word, I, so if I, I tell you the truth or love, uh, love, I'm not saying truth, love is, is what it talks about. Love should be a part of truth. But we don't love in word only, but we love in truth and in deed. So I, whatever it may be, truth, love, there has to be something that is shown. It's one thing to tell you that. It's something else to show you that. There's a lot of people able to tell you a lot of good things and keep your attention. But give me the person who really shows me what they are, are talking about or what they're feeling. Let me see that person. Let me see that individual. And that's, that's, that's what the Scripture is saying here. So it's, uh, they, they, you know, we have to measure by their Even a child's character, is what I said a little earlier, according to Proverbs 20 and 11, is known by his actions, whether he is pure and right. You can know a murderer by his fruits, not by his words, according to Matthew 5.21. If we get that, 5.21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. So we see that you know, you, you, you're going to know them by their fruits, and they're, they're good words. You're going to know them. Seven is the perfect number in Scripture, and it means a complete amount. A hateful person has a full array of abominations, and these abominations are in his heart or her heart, no matter what they say in public. And you will give them an extra advantage to harm you if you believe their lying words. When you believe someone who is lying, and they show but their deeds are not right, where does that take us when you, you begin to see that? When you, you see people that you know are supposed to be like you, believe the truth like you, but by their actions and deeds they show you something completely different. Are you going to be taken in by those people and as a result, well, if they're like me, then I have a right to act like them. That is why you must know the Scripture. You must know the Bible. You, could, you can't trust anybody when it comes to your soul. Yeah, I want you to trust me, but you trust me only as far as I'm preaching to you out of the Word of God. That is as far as you, to, you, you trust the individual up here. As long as they're in the Word, you, you, you give them double honor, you do all those things, but you be sure that you know the Word to know that they are in the Word. That is so important, and so many people in this day, it's like something has happened mentally to people. They don't have the smarts that they did at one time. They can't seem to get a Bible down to read it and understand. And that's so wrong. I cannot allow my soul to be placed in someone's hands unless I am sure that person is doing the right thing and preaching the right thing. I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family, my children. I better know that that person is in the Word, and the only way to know that is for me to be in the Word myself. Cain was such a person. He talked to Abel and put a knife, uh, had a knife in his hand all the time, hatred in his heart. Joseph's brethren comforted the father, though they were the very cause of his grief. Saul offered David his daughter only the purpose of killing him. Absalom waited two whole years and begged for his brothers to come to a party so he could kill Amnon. Judas promised undying loyalty to our Lord, but betrayed him with a kiss. And we go on. You know, uh, what's the lesson for this? What are we trying to learn? We've got to be vigilant around a hateful person. 
We've got to be vigilant around a hateful person. Reject his words, for he's a liar. His heart is full of malicious abominations. Second, be faithful in all your relations, even in your heart, lest you, have, you even appear like this kind of despicable and creature. You know, you, you don't want to even appear that way. And this is a, just a follow-up on the one I had before, but just understand that it's so vital for us to understand that a hateful person, someone who has nothing good to say about anything ever, be careful of that person. I don't care if they sit next to you in a pew. There's a lot of pew sitters that are hateful people. Proverbs twenty six twenty seven. But I say to you that every... Whoa! Whoever digs a pit for another man's feet shall fall it into it himself. And he who rolls a stone up a height to do mischief, it will return upon... That's a good one. Whoever digs a pit for another man's feet shall fall into it himself. What are they talking about? They're talking about digging a, a trap. That's what they're saying. And, you know, we look at this turnabout's fair play, Correct. What goes around comes around. We know that. You reap what you sow. These three many proverbs are especially true of God. He sees how men hurt others, and he promises to bring similar pain and trouble down on them for doing it. That's what he's saying. You reap what you sow. Wicked men devise traps and trouble for the innocent or righteous. But these victims are told to love their enemies in return. So who's going to defend those people? We're to love our enemies. You know, God's going to avenge his children. He always does avenge his children. And his vengeance is often to turn their devices on their own heads. You do see things come around. And if you're there long enough, you'll see people who have given you grief come to the same kind of grief that they wanted on you. It does happen, believe me. Vengeance is mine, Romans twelve nineteen. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Evil men will not get away with conspiracies or plans against good men. God is just, and he takes the wise in their own craftiness in Job 5.13, and he takes the wicked in their own cruelty in Proverbs 11.6 and Psalms 10.2. So don't try to avenge yourself. The Lord is against it, and he'll do a whole lot better job of it than you will, believe me. Because if you try to avenge yourself, there's an old saying about vengeance. You, if you're going to do vengeance, you dig two graves, one for the person and then one for yourself. You let God take care of it. So the context of this lesson is how the wicked use their mouths to hurt the righteous by lying and tail-bearing again. And though they cover their hatred and evil designs very cleverly, God will expose their deceit and he will judge them openly. Hunters once caught animals by digging a pit and covering it with a thin layer of dirt. And the animal not seeing the pit beneath the leaves and the grass would fall into it. The wicked dig similar pits for good men, but the Lord leads them to fall into their own traps. That's what this proverb is saying. In war, men will roll great stones to, uh, too heavy to lift from walls or cliffs to crush their enemies. But God promises such figurative stones will roll back on the wicked. So his revenge is best, and you have to deny your own vengeance and wait for his, and it will come. So if you have an enemy, don't be afraid. The Lord of glory does not slumber or sleep. So when the wicked conspire against you, he will turn their devices on their own heads. God even wants to be known as in his trait 
uh, excuse me, God even wants to be known by this trait of divine judgment in Psalms 9, 15 and 57. Uh, I think I had Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, I had Ecclesiastes 10, 8 and 9. Let me, let me, let us read that one. It's the last one I've got. He who digs a pit for others will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a fence or a stone wall, a serpent will bite him. Whoever removes a, removes a landmark, stones or hews out new ones with similar intent, will be hurt with them, and he who fails trees will be endangered by them. So he's letting you know in short order there what will happen if you do the wrong thing. So we don't have to worry about that. God wants, again, he wants to be known for his divine judgment. And you consider it well. Uh, Higalon or Silah, which means give God the glory. Higalon Silah. Give God the glory. So we give God the glory for whatever situation may be coming our way. Someone's trying to crush us with stones, digging a pit for us. We just keep on going and realize that the people will fall in their own pit. They'll fall in their own trap. And there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of demonic activity out there trying to trap you. Don't allow that to cause any fear to come into your heart. I know with some of the things that we're dealing with now, and I know with the cold, with the lack of jobs at this particular point, uh, and it's all going to change shortly. And a person can, can do some really stupid things in a position that they're in right now. They can take uh, actions that they wouldn't normally take. They can say things and be upset when they wouldn't normally do that. But if you will give God an opportunity, He will take care of every situation. A job situation will come back. You'll come back looking a whole lot better if you just let God take care of it. Don't let the devil fall you, uh, lure you into a trap now. It's way too, we're too late in this thing. The Lord's getting ready to come. I, I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. And all the signs are telling us and leading us to it. Let's not fall into a trap now. This is not the time. Abimelech died by a stone after slaying 70 men on a stone in Judges 9.18. Moab was cursed by the man they hired to curse Israel in Numbers 24. Haman, again, died on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. Ahab's blood was licked by dogs in the place that they licked Naboth's in 1 Kings 21. Israel burned their children at Tophat, so God filled the place with the, their bodies in Jeremiah 7.31. The conspirators against Daniel was destroyed horribly by the lions they planned for him, Daniel 6.24. And the Jews crucified Jesus to save their nation, but the Romans later crucified them by the thousands in John 11.50. It always comes back. Consider this proverb in light of recent American history. Now, this is some good stuff here. This is uh, some things that get me a little bit stirred up, really stirred up. You know, the, you got the shock at the murder of, of children at Columbine High School in 1999. You have the Sandy Hook Elementary School 2012. Well, you know, here in the last year or so we had some others. But now, now think about this. The U.S. government endorses the violent murder of 3,000 unborn children a day. A day. The children killed in Colorado were 12. Connecticut, 20. That's nothing, and not, I'm not taken away from that, but that's nothing in comparison to what happens every day. And they want to take the guns away from everybody because of it. Take the guns away and continue to murder unborn babies. And let's just go a little bit further. America loves and protects the violent content of video games. 
And from what I've seen, I've looked at there, some of the things are pretty bloody, aren't they? I mean, you, I know they're, they're, they're killing zombies now. But from what I have, I've seen, you know, the, you got you got people blown up and blood and all kinds of stuff that is going on. Yet, yet, you know, it's okay for that. You see how twisted all this is? You know, it condemns the Ten Commandments in schools, one of which is thou shalt not kill. It promotes self-love and prohibits corporal punishment, creates monsters like those killers. Murders get incredible publicity rather than being publicly executed. I'm sorry, if I, I, I probably shouldn't feel that way, but that's the way I feel. You know, just, just go ahead and let's write a book about that killer. Let's give him a little bit more. There's some of them that go out there and kill so they can get the publicity. We make a, something joyful out of it. I'm, you know, I, I'm so bad off anymore that I, I still think they ought to put a noose around their neck and put them on a horse. So we, can, we can upgrade it. Put them on a four-wheeler. Twist a knob and let them go and just let them hang there and kick for a while. You're saying, you're terrible, Brother Robertson. I know it. You need to pray for me. I really need it. Let's learn the lessons of wisdom in Solomon's Proverbs. Learn to think critically. Learn to, to look around and see the fulfillment of God's truth and wisdom. The single example above of, of, of all the recent events in American history can be multiplied further in America and in other nations. You know, the proverb is true, can, and we can see the fulfillment. We can see that. You know, look at what's going on. What's going to happen to America the way they're going? Let me ask you this. Do you know a hypocrite? Sure you do. Everybody does. Do you have an enemy? Sure we do. Is someone causing you pain? You know, his wickedness will be exposed, and God will turn his cruelty on his own head, according to Proverbs twenty-six eighteen. The lesson of this proverb is to trust God to protect you and punish your enemies, even if they take careful precautions not to be caught and to cause you harm craftily and secretly. Consider the proverb's use of the rolling stone. This was explained earlier. Jesus boldly warned the religious leaders of his day. He said, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. In Matthew twenty-one forty-four, Falling on the stone, Christ Jesus, is to break your stubborn spirit and repent of your sins. It's far better than having the stone to fall on you. Far better. All right, questions or comments? Questions or comments? Raise your hands high. I know there's some good stuff that someone has to... Do you have something? Oh, I've seen your hand come up. I thought I'd seen your hand come up. <laughs> Anybody? Questions or comments? Go ahead. Of the will of God. Yeah, right, right. right. 
And if we would look at ourselves that way, that's the reason the Bible says to examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith or not. Examine yourself. We all, we, we're all, we all fall short in those areas. There are none of us that are not guilty in those areas. But it's important for us to be aware and to try to improve in those areas. Very good, very good. Do you have something? And you know why that we don't do that any longer? Because we're a Christian nation. But you call us a Christian nation to the government, and they say that's not true. We're not a Christian nation. Christianity is bantered around to get whatever people want. Very few people out there understand true Christianity. They just use the term. Well, we've got to love one another. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The proof of love is being obedient to the commandments of God. Because the first and greatest commandment is to love God. And, you know, and they say, well, you know, we've we got to love people. We've got to give these. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not, I am not so cruel, if you want to say that, as to say that there are some people that make mistakes. There are some people that don't need to be, uh, you know, that might come in manslaughter or something. They don't need to be executed. I understand that. But when you've got someone who's constantly breaking the laws, breaking the laws, something has to be done. And they used to, you know, it was a scary thing to have a public execution. Are you saying you want to go back to that? No, probably not. But I'm just saying that there's sometimes that I get so tired of seeing everybody being so, oh, we're going to put them in prison the rest of their life, but they write books and make millions of dollars. It's it, it upsetting, very upsetting. Anybody else? Questions or comments? Complaints? No complaints? Oh, that's good. Stand with me. Let's please uh, keep, in, keep in your prayers, Sister Kaufman. I, I, felt, I really felt my wife come up here. I really felt the Holy Ghost move. I, I felt something occur. And uh, I know my wife was listening to the voice of God when she came up. And I, it was the right timing. Uh, let's just let's keep him in prayer and keep Olena in prayer. And uh, throughout this week, let's, let's, let's continue to, to reach reach for the Lord, for, for revival, for a, a move of God. And, and I know there is, there's, there, we have some people in, you know, in the church, in the, in the assembly, that are depressed over uh, job situations and so forth. So let's keep everybody in prayer. Things are going to start lifting. You're going to see them lift. And it, it's, it's a time and the timing. And we go through our hard times. You know, the Bible says if you suffer with him, you reign with him. The problem is that nobody really understands the suffering part. We want to reign, but we don't want to suffer. And uh, we've got to learn that's a part of it as well. You have... Oh, I thought you were pointing something at me. I was getting ready to duck. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's raise our hands to the Lord together right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings. Thank you for your word, Lord, and for your touch in our hearts. And, and God, for our openness, Lord, to you. And allow that openness, God, to lead us in places that we need to be. Help us to be strengthened, God. And I pray that you continue to keep your hand upon each and every one I ask here in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. Shake somebody's hand you haven't shaken in a while, and you're dismissed.